right. Well, good morning, ladies. I am so excited to be here with you today. Thank you for letting me come to your group and hang out and just learn from God's Word together. Um, so excited about your study here that you're doing on the Sermon on the Mount and looking at these verses as I read them over. I wondered what you all thought about them as you were going through your study. Um, there's a lot in these four verses, believe it or not. There's so much good. I'm so excited to be able to share what this is um, about uh, with you just from God's word. And so let's, let's just learn together. And we're going to start. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 5. Verses 17 through 20. And it talks about in these verses um, the law and the prophets and the Pharisees. And so I just thought that it might be helpful if we go over what are those things. <laughs> that, that just might be helpful to bring a little bit of clarity. So let's start with the law. As Christ is saying here, do not think that I came to abolish the law. Well, what is that? The law is often, uh, it's referred to as like the first five books of the Bible. It's the law that, that the Lord gave to Moses for the people of Israel so that they would know how to live, that they would know how to follow him. Um, in his law, he told them, it speaks of his holiness and how he is righteous and holy. And so how could they come before a holy God? He lays out how they are to sacrifice before him. Um, so the Lord, these, the law is from God through Moses to the people of Israel. As it um, explains his holiness and how they then they are to be reconciled to him through the sacrifices that the priests offer over and over and over. They are offering, they are called to do sacrifices in certain ways to bring them in, back into right relationship with God. That's what that is. And we, we look at the law and as the more that we look at it, we see that it is God's heart for them. It is for their good. God's law is for their good. It was um, for protection. It, it taught them how to live relationally and even health things and how he is to be worshipped and valued. So that is the law. And it's contained in the first five books of the Bible, which are called the Pentateuch, uh, five uh, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, all um, <coughs> written by Moses, except for the end of Deuteronomy as it um, chronicles Moses' death, so that would not be written by him. Um, so that's, is that, is that helpful? Mm -hmm. is that, does that help clear what the law is? So that's how the it, people of Israel are to live. So now the prophets, the prophets also from God. These are men that God called to speak to the people of Israel. And there are called, you'll, you'll, as you study this, major prophets, minor prophets. It doesn't mean better or worse or lesser than. It's talking about the length of the book. 
So your major prophets, those are much bigger, Daniel and, and Isaiah. Um, and then your minor prophets are the last books of the New Testament. And they're just much smaller, much smaller. So that's... and. New I'm sorry, our Old Testament. Thank you, Peggy. Thank you so much. The, the minor prophets are the last books of the Old Testament. So, and what is a prophet? What was their purpose? The perfect purpose of the prophet was to instruct the people, to warn the people, to rebuke the people, to call the people back to God to remind them of how great God is and his holiness and who he is, and also to tell the people what is to come. This is how God communicated with his people, the Israelites. Through the law, he laid that down for their good, all that they could do in their conduct, and then the prophets was his mouthpiece to call the people back to himself because, let's face it, the Israelites and you and I, we are wanderers, aren't we? We are prone to wander from our great God. And the prophets would call the people back. And when they were having a hard time listening or they had followed idols, chosen to worship that other than God, there was consequences Punishment was coming. This was a warning from the prophets, please return. Um, did the people listen? Sometimes. <laughs> do we listen all the time? I don't. I'm not going to put that on you. I would not do that. <laughs> I would never do that. But so that's the law and the prophets. Is that, is that helpful for you? Mm -hmm. Does that help bring what, what he is talking, what Jesus is talking about here? And the Pharisees have, um, you maybe have talked, heard a little bit about the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the men that were in charge of leading the spiritual growth of the people. They studied the law. They knew everything that God had to say in there. And so then their duty was to instruct the people in that, to lead them spiritually. And the reason that, you, that we see in Scripture that often Jesus was so hard on them was because they had become so legalistic that it, the law that God had given to Moses, for them, to the people, they just kept adding, adding to it themselves and burdening the people more and more instead of, so that they were just so led by do this, do this, do this, instead of by their heart for God. Their hearts were often hard to him because they were so legalistic in doing the letter of the law. And the part that they were so into doing was the part that they also had just invented themselves. So they were leading the people further from the Lord instead of to him. That is why they are often rebuked in scripture over and over because Jesus knows that God's great law is for the good of his people. And these men are supposed to be instructing the people and encouraging them and bringing them closer to God. Instead, Jesus sees his people that he loves so dearly being burdened. Being burdened and feeling further and further away from God instead of being brought near. And so those are the 
Those are the three components that we see here in this verse, uh, these verses. Does, um, does anyone have any questions about that, or is, has that been helpful? So now, as we, go, as we move into now looking at the verses, this is where it gets so exciting. I love this part. So let's go right on in. Verse 17. We are going to look and say, what did Christ come to do? What did he, what is he not going to do? He says, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. So as we read in these verses, what did Christ say he did not come to do? He did not come to abolish the law. He did not come to wipe it out. He did not come to say, all of that that God gave you is to be thrown away. That is not what he, he came to do. But what did he come to do? But to fulfill it but to fulfill it. The word there, that that meaning of that word, has with it the essence of to bring to completion or to accomplish. So, So what does that mean? Even if we know that, these verses can still be a little tricky, don't you think? Because as we're saying, I did not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill it. Truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. What does that mean? That means that as we talked about in the law and how the Lord set up the provision for sacrifice for the people, and there were certain things that needed to be fulfilled so that this was so that they were brought back into right relationship with God. Jesus. Jesus is the one who came, and in him, everything that the law required, he fulfilled in his life and his death and his resurrection. Everything. He fulfilled it all. Not the, even to the smallest letter or the smallest stroke of the law, of what was required he fulfilled it all in his life and his death and his resurrection. Fulfilled it all for what? What was the sacrifice for? It was to be make atonement for the people's sin. It was to bring them back into right relationship with God. And Jesus Christ does this. He is the sacrifice. Once and for all. So all the times that the priests had to come, day or season or festival, event, consistently sacrificing animals for the people's sin, Jesus Christ did it once and for all. Everything that was required in the law, he fulfilled and he accomplished. Then then the purpose his, his accomplishment to bring righteousness to you and me, to bring us back into right relationship with God, to forgive our sin. 
that is all fulfilled and accomplished in Jesus Christ. That's what he is saying here in these verses. He did not come to abolish, but to fulfill, to complete, to accomplish all that was required in the law. He brings that all together for us. It's so beautiful when we can see how the Old Testament speaks of through the whole thing from Genesis all the way through. It points to the, to the Savior, to how God will provide a Redeemer for Israel from the very beginning, even from the fall, from Adam and Eve. When the enemy tempted Eve and they fell, to, uh, and they fell into sin and God throws them out of the garden. But he speaks even then that there will be one who will come and crush the serpent's head. He's alluding to Jesus from the beginning. And all through the Old Testament, we see God's great love, his picture of his love for his people, how he provides for them. The Old Testament is beautiful. That's where we get to know God's character. That's where we see so much of how great he is from Genesis, when he spoke the world into being, which is his words. We see his greatness and his power and how he rules over all, his sovereignty. And even then, how his great love, he knows how his people are prone to wander. But he's a holy God. We just can't go to him on a whim or think that I do one good thing. And that will be enough. He is holy. He is perfect. He He has no sin in him. He can have no part of sin. And that means you and I, everyone down through humanity, we're all in the same boat. We can't get to God by ourselves. And God in his great love weaves through, I will provide the one for you. I will provide the one for you. He can't be in our same boat. Jesus is the only one who is without sin. He's the only one who could be the sacrifice to fulfill and accomplish everything. So it's all wrapped up in that from the very beginning. The Old and the New Testament are are forever joined, inseparable. But Jesus gives that as as he gives such credence and such authority to the Old Testament as he speaks here of it. Verse 19, Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and so teaches others shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Anybody read these verses and think, wow, what? (laughs) (laughs) What, huh? Yikes. (laughs) For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes or the Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And then I think, but you're mad at the Pharisees because of the, the way that they're keeping the law or not or what is it there how can those two go together 
Here's probably the best part of the whole thing that we've kind of been talking about and alluding to. But here, this is where Christ is saying, that that's what the law, when we look at the law and what's required before a holy God, who can, who can keep that law? Anyone? The law is given to show us also how holy God is. And he is saying here, and the Pharisees think that they're doing every little tiny thing. They think they are. So that they are righteous before God. And if they could keep the whole law, if they could, they would be. Could anyone? No. So what hope do we have? We can say it. It is. He is our hope. Here is what he is saying in this verse. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, what you think, what everyone is viewing, what they even view themselves as righteous, and everyone is looking and thinking, I can't do that. Then you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. But what was he saying in verses 17 and 18? They kind of all come back together. Is he is showing us that he is the righteousness. We, we need to have his righteousness. That is how we will surpass the, the scribes and the Pharisees. Because it won't be done by the letter of the law. Impossible. It will only be done through what Christ did in his fulfilling and accomplishing of the law. In Christ, he is our hope. He is our savior. And when we come to him and receive his gift of forgiveness on the cross, here is the, the mystery, just the stuff that blows our minds and hopefully explodes our heart, is that his righteousness is exchanged for our unrighteousness. We become righteous because of him, because of what he did. We are now righteous before God under Christ's righteousness. God looks upon you and me and he sees what Jesus did and he sees that we are covered by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is righteous. We are covered in his righteousness. We are restored before God. We are back in relationship with him. We are brought clean. We are forgiven. The great exchange. Our unrighteousness for Christ's righteousness. That's the only way that it surpasses that. It's only through Jesus Christ. It's not of ourselves. None of us. And not the Pharisees or the scribes. That's what you'll, you'll be studying more here as he talks about them in, in later in Matthew, about their hard hearts. And this is where we see that um, the greatness that, that Christ has, has done. And he's talking in verse 19 about the, the least of the commandments, the things that seem the least. As, as they, the Pharisees focus on, on the stuff that seem like it's the most important, 
do this, do that, take a left here, don't wash your hands properly over here. That's what they were holding up as the, as the pinnacle of what to do. They had it flipped. God spoke about, about loving your neighbor, about how he loves, forgiving. And Christ sums it up by saying, you can't do it in the law. You'll never be able to do it in the law. But I have come to fulfill everything that was required. Everything that would be required of you and me to stand before a righteous God. He did it all on the cross. And we receive his righteousness with gratefulness, with grateful hearts. And our hearts overflow with this great love for him because of what he did for us. And that's why we follow his laws. That's why we follow his commands. That's why we seek to know him more and to do what he would have us do and to obey him. Not out of a duty or trying to attain our own righteousness, but out of gratefulness and love for everything he did for us through Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled the law, everything that would be required of you. He did it. And God sent his son to do it for us because he knew we couldn't do it for himself, but he loved us so much. He wanted us to be in right relationship with him. It's so beautiful here to see this. Um, I'm just going to read to you this verse from 2 Corinthians 5.21. You can make a note of it there on your notes. As it, um, But this is talking about God, when just exactly of what we are saying. He, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Jesus took on all of our sin on that cross, and all the wrath of God was thrown at it. That should have been me and you. All of it. Jesus took it all. The judgment, the wrath. On the cross, he took that for you and for me. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. That we might become the righteousness, that you and me might become the righteousness of God so that we could be in right relationship with God. We could be with him forever. We could be in his presence only because of Jesus' righteousness that covers us. And my prayer is, is that, that maybe as we see these verses in that light, that our hearts would be pierced to the core, that we would be grateful and look to what Jesus did for us and be in awe, be brought to our knees in tears, of humility, asking forgiveness, and then it just filled with a great love for our great God who loved us enough to send his son for Jesus, God in the flesh, who died for us. The Holy Spirit then, he gives us to live in us, to renew our hearts, to make us more like him that our lives would be lived to his glory.
because it's all in him that we have life and righteousness and a relationship with our great God. Jesus Christ came to fulfill it and accomplish all that was required for you and me. May we live in such a way that brings him honor and glory. And may we just sit in that great love all the time, every day, come back to it as the foundation of our faith, what we hold fast to over and over, that our love for him may grow and grow and grow. So I hope that's helpful this morning on these verses. That was awesome. Yes. He's like, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, you know, I, I had to say, I did go to the back of the book where you look because I was lost. I, I oh, yeah. Not, Always go to the back of the book. Thank yeah, you. But that, this helped me tenfold yes. over that. So thank you. Yes. <laughs> awesome, too. Um, do I undo that? Sure. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> no, that's fine.